catch on real quick. It's called designer clothes. Designer clothes. I'm going to go before the Lord, and then after I'm done praying, you can be seated. We have a little short clip that will let you probably know where I'm heading. So let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And God, without the touch of God, without the anointing of Almighty God, without the presence of the Spirit of God, these will just be mere words, Lord, that will cause nothing, no growth, no change, no inspiration. Please, Lord, we're asking for the anointing of Almighty God. Holy Ghost, thou art welcome in this church. Please, please come, empower the Word of God, the message, Lord, that I will speak things that I have yet to even thought of, being stirred by you. And Lord, you would anoint the ears of those that are here to hear the word of God, Lord, and it would cause change and growth, Lord, that we may be ambassadors of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. So my question to you this morning is, what are you wearing? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Value City, Gabriel's, Hush Puppies, I guess. I don't know what about shoes, but the world is in America, especially, is in the clothes. We're in the fashion to the point where you, I don't have to explain what that is. Everybody knows. Usually, uh, certainly every woman knows the red carpet. What are you wearing? I mean, how dumb can we get where you got to tell the person what clothes you have on? I mean, if I was a dude, I'd say hit the road, man. I'm, I'm wearing this, I'm wearing that. We are into design, and no, ma- no matter where you go, no matter. Uh, in fact, you, I'm sure when you got up this morning, you were thinking, okay, what clothes should I wear to where I'm going? And if you have something else planned to, uh, today, this afternoon, you'll probably change and put on something else, some other type of fashion to fit where you're going. So we are in to clothes now. For the woman of God and the man of God, Romans 13, 14 tells us this. It tells us what to wear. It says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. To the Christian, to the man of God, wherever you're going to go after church, God's telling you what to wear. Put on Christ. Whether it's going to go play softball and you got to get your glove and your cleats or whether it's going to a picnic and you're going to put on whatever picnic clothes you got, God says, don't forget, Christian man or woman of God, put on Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. The New Living Translation makes it maybe a little simpler to understand. It says, but let the Lord Jesus Christ take control of you, and don't think of ways to indulge your evil desires. Look, there's a flesh side of us that is no good. The only thing, anything is appropriate for your flesh to do is die. Now, I'm not talking about your physical death. I'm talking about that carnal nature that wants to do things always against the will of God and against the Spirit of God. God tells us right here in Romans, put on Christ and make no provisions, none whatsoever, none, no, nada for the flesh. For that carnal nature. Don't stroke it. Don't put up with it. God says put nothing into it at all. Now look, it's and this, these scriptures here, it isn't as if Jesus does it for us and we sit back. That's not it. God, let me be better. You're still bad. God, let me be good. Let me be good. Don't let me drink. Don't let me smoke. Don't let me cuss. Don't let me wear like this. Don't let me wear short dresses. God, don't let me. Don't let me. 
It's a relationship with God. It's not just God. Donnie's not up there with a wand. He's got a sword. And in that sword, He has told you what to do. Put on Christ. Put Him on. And so it's a, a relationship. It's a, an active partnership with Almighty God. When He placed Adam and Eve in the garden, and everything was outstanding, everything was fresh, made by the hand of God, God said, tend it and keep it. There is a part and a place for you to do. Partnership with Christ. And you're like, well, I just can't do that. I just don't have the power. That's where God comes in. He empowers you. He gives you all the power to do that which He has called you to do. So God said, for the sake of the lost and dying world, wherever you go, put on Christ. And we fail as a church. Because we blend. We blend right in with the church. It's bad. We do. Romans 13, 11 and 12. Now this is the new King James. It says this, and do this. Now remember, this is the Word of God. It's not a book of suggestions. It's the Word of God. Remember, you will be held accountable for every word, not alone actions. You are going to be held accountable. No one else is going to be with you. It's going to be you and God alone in the throne room. And so God tells us stuff, and He says, and do this. Knowing the time. Now, I have raised four children, and all through their little lives, I have said, now, I want this done. You do this, and you do this, and you do that, and you do this. And when the earthly father goes away and does whatever, and comes back, and it's not done, there's a price to pay. It's the same thing with your heavenly father. And so in Romans, he says, and do this. So do what? It says, knowing the time that is now high time to awake out of your sleep or your slumber, your inactivity, lethargic about the things of God. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Okay, so what are you telling me to do, God? Here it is. He goes and tells us, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. There is no light in you. Total darkness. If Until you ask God, who is light, to come in you. You take the light from me, darkness. You give me light, and God is in me. God is light. And so God says, He's telling you what to do. Put on the armor of light. This is another thing God tells us to do. When we put on Christ, we put on the armor of God. We are equipped both to defend and to attack with the armor of God. And you will have fiery darts shot at you. You will be attacked by the enemy. It's the way it is. Putting on Christ is not just a ho ho. (gasps) Yeah, okay. It's supposed to be a, a vivid figure of speech. It's an active thing. It means more than uh, just putting on the, the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not saying that. It's, it's rather it's saying that Christ himself is your armor that you are to wear. And so to sustain a good, clean, pure walk and to be protected in this life and to win battles and take ground for God, God tells you through the word of God, put me on. I'm this awesome armor. And so God tells us what to wear. Romans 13, 11 says, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of our slumber. Look, you've got to understand 
We live in dangerous times. Dangerous times. We anticipate the soon return of Christ. You should be. Man, if you're a student at all, the Word of God, the clock of eternity, man, it's lining up. So we should be energetic about this. You should be paying attention to hearing the Word of God this morning. What is it that I can do, Lord? How can I change God? How do you want me to clean my act up? Lord, I'm yours. Just tell me. Instead of lethargic, you should be committed to a right walk with God instead of sleepwalking. Because that's kind of what we do in the things of God. We sleepwalk. Now look at verse 13 as it suggests what we can get into. It might even suggest what we are doing. It starts off and says, now walk honestly as in the day. And then it goes on and tells us what we fall into, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Now, some of those words, you're wanting and chamber, what kind of language are you talking about? All right, well, look, New Living Translation says this. We should be decent and true in everything we do so that everyone can approve of our behavior. How many times have you heard, man, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be that way. Well, what are you wearing? I'm wearing my attitude today. And so we misrepresent Christ all the time. What got Moses in trouble? Moses, one of the most humblest men on earth. A type of Christ bringing the people out of bondage as his leader. And when Moses misrepresented God and struck the rock twice, remember he says, drink you rebels, and they were rebels. And he smote the rock again, misrepresenting God. Who did God call to the office? He said, Moses, come here. Walk up this mountain, check out the promised land. But that's as far as you're going. I mean, everything that Moses did. But he misrepresented the awesome Lord who he was to be serving. See, we're very lethargic about that. We should be trembling on how we live, what we say, what we do. So it goes and says, you should be decent and true. That's Who can find decent people in our world anymore? Who would ever have thought 50 years ago just being decent would be an unbelievable testimony? Just being decent, moral, manners, not spitting and burping and... Just decent, decent to your neighbors. So it goes on and says, be decent and true in everything that you do so that everyone can approve of your behavior and so that people can say, man, you're so different. What's up with you? We live in this horrible world. What's, What's going on? And you can say, well, man, let me tell you. It's not me, but let me tell you. Then it goes on and says this, and Christian church, listen, don't participate in wild parties in getting drunk. Or in adultery, immoral living, or in fightings and jealousy. This is what God says. This is what I don't want. This is what we get into. This is why you need to put me on. Put on Christ. Now remember, who's the book of Romans written to? It Christians in Rome. Them bunch of heathens that crucified Christ. They need all. No, it's written to the Christians in Rome. So you think Christians in Rome? Why is he talking about drunkenness and fighting and uh, immoral and? Why are we talking about it now? It's what we do without Christ. When we take Christ off and we take the restraints of the Word of God off, the Bible says we run wild. Because we don't know how to live without it. God's going, oh, oh. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, God. You can't, you can't live without God for a minute. So God tells us, cast off the works of darkness. That's that partnership. Do something. 
I'll be waiting for God. You do it, and I'll do it. You do it, and I'll do it. You do it, and I'll do it. God's going, I did it. You do it. He did it. He broke that in you that has to sin. He broke it. You had to sin before that. He broke it. Now you want to sin. It's the only reason why we do. Because we want to now. We can't stand before God and say, you didn't do enough. You didn't do enough. I would have if you just did something. He's going, what? I didn't do enough. So you can't pull that one on God. And so now he says, look, this is a partnership. I'll empower you to do it. Do it. I've made you a free moral agent. Do it. Choose to do it. Do it. Put me on. Is what he says. So it's just like last night. Had a, had a wedding, got home late, and I'm taking off the wedding clothes and I'm putting on the jammies. That's what that's talking about. I'm going to stay there in my wedding clothes with my corsage up here saying, God, thank you so Undress me, God. Undress me. I want to sleep. Undress me. Undress me. going to go, what's the matter with you? Take your clothes off, fool. Wouldn't you? So it's the same principle when God says, put me on, take off the old, put on the new, take off, cast off darkness. It's the same thing. I can't wait to get out of these clothes and put on. That means there's a part for you to do. There's a part in this. So we got to cast off before we can put on. The rags of sin must come off before you can put on the robe of Christ. And that's just the way he has set it up. Okay. Word talks about some weird words here. It says the idea behind this word is a desire for like the forbidden. What's our word? Licentiousness, I think it is. Means it's a desire for the forbidden. And that's in our fallen nature. Even when God has told us no, we go, but. So don't be pointing out that other person. It's you. I was helped cleaning up in the, the wedding last night. I got the job of picking up there mirrors all over the place with this all fancy and I'm picking them up and I'm seeing them. I'm always turning it the other way. Aaron started helping me and she's walking with the mirror that's reflecting towards me. What do I do with these? And I see myself for not too many like to see themselves in the mirror and those who do have a different problem. But it's the truth. While she's walking towards it, I'm thinking of this mirror all the time. That's probably the reason why only 2% of us read the Word of God because it's reflecting us all the time and we're going, oh man. Come on. So it's true. So that licentiousness, the desire for a forbidden bed in anything, certainly in morality for sure, but in anything. The other word is lewdness. This is what we fall to without Christ being putting on Christ. It's, this here has the idea of a man. Now, this is where we live in. This is where we live now. Is the idea of a man or humanity who's lost their shame. No shame. Whatever, whenever. What used to be in a secret is now open. They even have the term, come out of the closet, the whole term. That's what this is, the word lewdness. They no longer care what people think. Now, we're, we're talking even about Christians and what they do. That old that old saying, I'm not hurting anybody. Man, if we could resurrect the uh, great-great-grandparents that were into filth and pornography and, and Ouija boards and all that junk and ask their children four generations later, did that not hurt you? Well, I never even knew my grandpa and I, great, great, great grandpa. It's just passed down. It gets worse and worse and worse. It gets worse. So now, but you see, none of this catches God off guard. He knew that this was going to happen. And Jeremiah 6.15, he tells us, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? He goes, no. 
Were they not at all ashamed? And listen, it says, neither could they blush. Whether it's a, I don't know, some situations that you do are just embarrassing and you get embarrassed, you blush, or whatever the term you just feel. Man, God says, this is a time that this is what I am. You don't like it tough. And that's what we live in. And what the world does, it flows into the church. It's supposed to go the other way, but it isn't. It goes this way. And so that's how we live. That's what I do. That's what I want. You don't like it, I'm out of here. Timothy goes on, or Paul tells Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Now look what he says we are to be. But be thou an example of the believers. Not to the believers. Be now an example of the believers. When you're on the job, you're being an example. You're not cussing, you're not drinking, you're not talking about your old white, old battle, old hat. You're talking about someone you love. You're not looking at the porn that they're passing around, getting into the filth, gambling on the side. You're being an example to the believers as you work. Be an example because they're not going to pick up the word or look at it. They're not going to go to a church like you are to receive the word. So God says, no problem. Put me on. Put the word on. And as you put the word on, you take it to work. And they're looking at you and saying, dude, how come you don't drink anymore with us? How come you don't cuss and run around anymore? It's perfect if we do it like God says and not to change it. Twist it and play with it and read it upside down. There's a code in there. Read it left to right, up to down. Just simply read it. Put it on because that's what God told you to do. You don't have to have no yabats. Just put it on. Titus 2, 7 and 8, it says this. This is what you are to do. In all things, that's everything. That's everything you're going to do. When you're going to school, when you're going to college, when you're going to work, when you're cutting your grass, when you're shoveling the snow, Whatever it is, it says, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Show this, God says. Show it. I can't just do it. Put me on and I'll do it through you. It's a partnership. Okay, God. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. You know the testimony. If you live it true, you live it right. After a while, those that are around you will say, uh, if they cuss, what do they say? Excuse my French. When you were the best cusser of them all. And so it starts to show, has a, 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 a reaction on them. Just You're not even pounding them with the Word of God. You're just changing in front of them. You're putting on Christ. They'll tell you, man, you ought to go see that movie. It's awesome. But you won't like to. It's lots of cussing in it. But boy, that movie's really cool. And they all of a sudden make a difference from you. It's because you're putting on Christ and they're being affected by it. Whether they like it or not, but they're being affected by it. And God says, put it on, church. It's something you have to do daily because we can take it off fast. So Romans 13, 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provisions for the flesh. Now you understand, this flesh, this fallen nature, carnal nature, never wants anything to do with God. Never, never, no exceptions. So you cannot be buffaloed by the flesh. No matter what it tells you, it wants nothing to do with God. It's, I think it's in Romans somewhere where it talks about the, the Spirit of God and, and the flesh. And the flesh says the things of God are like enmity, not enemy, enmity to it. 
the things of God. Dads coming and praying with their children. The flesh says, that's like enmity to me. Some broken, despaired, desperate person coming and trying to find the joy of God. Some desperate person needing help. That's enmity to the flesh, to the carnal nature that's in you. Now, that word enmity means vomit. All you moms and dads had to clean that up. And your children, or even yourself for that matter, the worst job in the world. That's what's in you. The fallen nature, the things of God, coming to church, wanting to live holy, wanting to live clean, wanting to receive instruction from God. To your fallen nature, that's like vomit. Isn't that weird? It's what the Word of God says. So that verse 14 again in Romans 13, 14 in the New Living Translation simply says, but the Lord Jesus Christ, let him take control of you. He's the power behind. He says, walk through all that and don't touch any of that filth. And you're saying, God, I can't. I don't have the power. He says, put me on and I will do the power. But you walk through it. And so you walk through it, counting on God as you're putting God on. They're reaching for you. They're grabbing for you. They might even grab a hold on you. You pull away and you do it. Not because you're bad, because who is bad is in you. And you walk through it. That's why God says, put me on, man. You're going to be an example of the believer to those who won't read. So let me ask you again, what are you wearing? Wearing an attitude today, you know, we wear all sorts of moody blues things. Then, here's here's a, if the enemy finally figures out he's not going to get you to turn back, you're like, no way, man, I'm following the Lord. Then he'll play with your walk. He can't stop your walk, he'll play with your walk. So the second question is, how are you walking? What you're wearing was the first, and now how are you doing it? How are you walking? Romans 13, 13 says, let us walk honestly. Honestly. Which simply means in a seemly manner. Means decently. Only he is perfect. You're not. And you are to walk seemingly, decently in the things of God with this being your light. Pitfalls and snares always around you. And you can't see it. And all of a sudden the light, you go, oh man. Can't do that. Can't get into that. The enemy always has a snare somewhere for you. And you're like, oh, whoa, no, no. It's the light. Because God tells us in Jeremiah, it's not in you to know what to do. You blunder all through this stuff and have snares and everything because it's not in you. So God says to you, put on Christ. Now walk honestly before me. And we are in a season, a horrible season of misrepresenting Christ. Would rather you not serve God than the way we misrepresent Him. 1 John 2, 6 says this. Now look at this word. You're going to be held accountable for this. He that saith, he, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Now how are you going to get out of that one when you stand before God? I love you, God. You're my God. Save me, serve me, serve me. God says, okay, walk like I walked. If you have him in you, now we do stumble and fall. And God says, righteous man, get us up, ask for forgiveness. <sighs> Do that again, God. Thank you for that. And he goes on. I'm not talking about being perfect. You cannot be. I'm not talking about that. You can be mature in the things of God. Okay. So God says, he that saith he abideth in him. You abide in Christ, Brian? Okay. You cannot get away from this scripture. You cannot act like a fool to your wife on the job. You can't. You can't be foul-mouthed, cussing like a sailor, just like everyone else. Then you're lying to me if you're telling me God abides in you. It says this to Brian. Brian has said, he abideth in him. So God says, God is saying to him, 
ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So if Brian's saying yes, then the Lord's saying, okay, Brian, walk like I walked. And in fear and trembling, he goes, okay, God, I will. I will. I will. I love you. We're living in a dispensation, but we want to walk the way we want to walk and claim Christianity. And I have some walks for you. I can't help it. I saw this. and This is awesome. <clears throat> this will represent putting on Christ. Okay? This, better watch all the wires. I am putting on Christ the way I should. I'm walking seemly, decently, properly in God. Now we live in a dispensation Christ, putting on Christ, representing the robe of righteousness, salvation. Okay? This is the group that we have now serving God. This is the casual Christian. Yeah, I, I know I should be in church, but he loves me. I'm a busy man. It's just You're just casual about the things of God. Casual about even coming to, to pray on Wednesday. As you see it getting worse and worse and worse, you think we'd be flocking. Hey, casual. You're saved. You're just kind of casual with the Word of God. Years and years in the beginning of this church, we used to go and visit oh, every person. It's just too big. Now we've got others that try. Ed calls faithfully every week. One of the first things we would ask them when we would visit them, you in the Word? And most, every time they'd go, well, not like I used to, but I love them. Casual about the things of God. We all, that's all in us. It's all in us. Okay, here's the other one. I even hate doing this one. People used to wear stuff like this. I don't know if they still do now. I used to call them preppies in school. Couldn't handle preppies. Sorry. Jesus around the waist, meaning just in case, just in case you need him, you got him handy. You got him right by. You know the terminology. You know who pastors that church. You know what's going on. You've been there for a while, but it's just not your life. So you just kind of, you don't want to be without him, but just in case you got him handy. Now I'm talking about you and I. I am. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about you and I. This is what I see in America. Christianity. Just in case an emergency arises, you got them around your waist. Oh, yeah, this one. This is big now in churches. You see, it's no longer about him. It's about you. If I get my arm in here, you reverse everything. No longer do you bring a sacrifice. No longer you try to bring a blessing to God. You want it. You reverse everything in the Word of God said for years, we live backwards. We do. In fact, this is a value city. But if it was tailor-made for me, it would have my name. It would be perfect if it would have my name on it. Should have taped my name on it. Because you see, this thing's about what I can get. What Jesus can do for me. And by the way, my back hurts. And my bills are due. We reverse. No sacrifice. No suffering. No nights of prayer. We reverse it. It's about us. Come to Jesus and get stuff. Cost you nothing. It's all about you. You reverse the entire gospel. All this is in Zanesville. All these gospels I'm talking about. And then there's this one. Ruth told me I should title a message this. I might one day. The wonderful gospel of the Lord. Tremendous, beautiful gospel of God. And you make a bunch of weirdo stuff out of it. I mean, how would Ruth like to go out with me? We go into Red Lobster dinner for two wouldn't you you'd be doing you'd be laughing 
that I'd walk in and get my dinner. They'd be saying, that guy's an idiot. And I'd be going, oh, this is what they're saying about our Lord. Because of how you act, what you wear, how you present Christ, how you wear him. You chase feathers, you chase dust, you chase this, you chase that. The average heathen Joe's going, you're crazy, you're crazy. Now look, us dudes are like that. Our ladies get deceived. If Ruthie would have been introduced to God, I found him. I found him coming to me. I found him, Joe. I found him. I said, you're nuts, Ruth. A, a guy would, I'm telling you, first thing that crossed my mind, because I was very untrustworthy. The only reason why I went to that church was see who was messing with my wife's head. If they'd have been like this, doing this, I might never be serving God today. You seen Pastor Bender, you heard from him. That's what I ran into. If he'd have said, man, this is Jesus, this is cool, that flower, it moved, it means. I'd have left, Bruce. I would have left. And I said, I don't want nothing to do with it. All when we just simply are supposed to put on Christ. Put him on. We are living. Now, this is America now. We are living when they want anything and everything but this. This is drab. This is not enough. And so they've come up with all these different gospels. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, we're going to read in the New Living. I'll end with this. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. I I was to say this in the beginning, we'd laugh about it, you know, tease, but I meant it. Lots of times when we chuckle to stuff, you really mean it. You're just using the chuckle to kind of mask over, you really mean it. But I would tell folks, if you're going to act like an idiot, please, please do not have anything on you that says new hope. Please don't. I beg you don't. (laughs) No, I meant it. Don't. Because when you do that, then they think all of you are like that, including me. And I'm the prime one, but we're all like that. And so when you misrepresent Christ the various ways that I've said, they're going, they must all be like that. And so Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, New Living Testament says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For have you been called by God? Now, some of the dudes here for years have been after me to have a church softball team. Okay, I went through that. I went through that, that winning was worth more than your testimony, more than everything in the world. And I said, for 19 years, no way. I can't stand that. We're going to play in a church league. That's not a church league. It's the truth. So they put together this team, not sponsored by the New Hope, and they asked me to come, come watch them. And so I did all last year. I did. Church league, but it wasn't a church league. But I watched our dudes. I watched them. And they impressed me with their, they wanted to win, they played to win, they lost, they lost. No arguing, no nothing, you're out, you're out. Safe, you're safe, get out. Doesn't matter. They should be an example. And so I was teasing them. And they were like, will you sponsor us? And I'm like, well, you guys were impressive last year. You really were. I said, if I buy you shirts, they're just going to be blank colors. No name. Because I want to watch you another year. And then I says, okay, the third year, if you're still doing good, I'll buy you a black shirt with black letters that say New Hope, just in case they won't be able to see. They can't see it. Now, the, the truth of that is, really, it isn't. This is the truth with me. I mean, I, I hate it, but it's the when the church receives a bad name or uh, when this church, I hate it. I despise it. 
because it, it points to Christ. I, I know, Ruth and I know people don't like us. That, that, that's all right. It, that really is all right. But <clears throat> when, it, when it comes down, well, that's the way Christ must be, and that's the way, then it's like, oh, no, no, no. Because years and years ago, when I first got saved, I did a pretty strong nine-month witness testimony of just completely changing. No more drinking, no more... I mean, it was just a complete change that God... And I just stumbled one time, just a little trip up in front of one of my dearest friends. And he went, ah, that's the old Joe I know. And slapped me on the back. And I felt like garbage. That's what I'm talking about. People have lost hope in what we call church. To the point they don't even want to come here. They don't want to come. Now, they're not offensive. Offense by this building, by the color of the building, by two names put together, New Hope. They're not upset at the gravel parking lot or the pews or the color. It's the people. And they go, forget it. So Paul, this New Living, I just like how it says it. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Be humble, gentle, be patient with each other. We felt that with each other. All this is going to be an unbelievable testimony to them. And so God says, put me on. And you will be patient and gentle and humble with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Instead, we want to run each other through. It is. And I'm as bad as we, we just fall into this. Always keep yourself united in this Holy Spirit. I mean, you got to keep this relationship going. Because as soon as you step out of it, the Spirit of God's going to go, you're keeping it united. But I don't, you keep it united. You know that happens. If you keep, if you endeavor to keep that relationship with God, always keep yourself united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourself together with peace. We are all one body. We have the same spirit. And we have all been called to the same glorious future. God says, put me on. Wherever you're going, once we dismiss, put them on. And you could be sitting there wonderfully, having great, and you go to Cracker Barrel, and you got an higher weight, and then you get in, and you don't sit you where you want to, and you're starting to take off Christ, right? I mean, then your meal comes. It wasn't what you got. It wasn't. It's cold. God says, look, act like I would act. It doesn't mean, okay, you got to eat cold food. No, just say, excuse me, this is not. Act. Act like. So the big question at the altar is, what are you wearing? Or I should say, who are you wearing? I feel sad for those people that walk that red carpet. I mean, they think they're at the top of the American life. They really do with all the money, all the fame, the camera, the TV, the star. And they're walking down and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing. Sometimes I look at them and I think, oh, man, what's the chances of them coming to Christ? Because you see, the way up is down. In God, it's down. It's of no reputation, not a red carpet. It's of no reputation. And so you'll be going all over God's earth. And people will see what you're wearing. They will. You could be wearing pride. You know, if you're blessed with looks, pride. You're blessed with intelligence, pride. The whole car scene, when when I went out to visit Jonathan in uh, California, 
L.A. He finally got a cool job. I said, John, why don't you get a Jeep, man? They're awesome. Wrangler Jeep. We didn't see one Jeep in L.A., not one pickup truck. We, I said, the truth. We seen, it was like Mercedes were like Chevrolets out there. It's all image, everything. It's crazy. So he gets a job. He moves to New York. There's no cars in New York. It's all, there isn't. Wall Street, and but it's different, you know, and it's pathetic. So if you wouldn't mind standing as we wind this down. Question to you this morning is, who are you wearing? The sad thing is we are quick change artists. I want to wear Christ, but if you bug me, you quick change and you you come out as something else. I want to wear Christ, but if, if you get over on me, and the word goes out the window. We look just at and act just like the world. We sue each other, take each other to the court. We hate each other. We sit apart. We divorce each other. We on and on and on and on. The Lord simply says, put me on. See, what we've become and what we've done and how we've morphed into what we are is a testimony that this is true because we really don't strive to put on Christ. So we have acted the way we have acted and this is what we have become. When our country, when our poor beloved America needs the strongest church it's ever needed in its life, it has us. We can change that. You can change it by coming to God's dressing room, walk in his dressing room and say, God, what do you, what do you want me to wear? And on the hanger in the dressing room will be the word of God and the robe of salvation, the suit of obedience, the dress of humility, the slacks, the shirt might not be the coolest. Our altars are open. Come to God's dressing room. See what he has for you. See what almighty God has for you.